Tonight's episode of the 31st Lap Podcast is brought to you by DirtTrackDigest.com. If it's on dirt, it's on Dirt Track Digest. This is the 31st Lap Podcast, recorded live in the studios of FingerLakes1.com in downtown Seneca Falls, New York. And now, your host, Chris Marquardt. Good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this edition of the 31st Lap Podcast. So excited to have you guys joining us along for the ride tonight, episode number 253 on deck. We've got Stephen Ovens joining us this evening. He's Skyping in, and then we've got Dave Marcacelli on the line as well, uh, turning initial focus uh, before we get real deep into things to that 358 series race that's coming up at Utica Rome on Sunday. Dave's going to be in competition there. I'm also going to recap some of the stuff that we finally got the chance to see over the last week. Uh, Land of Legends finally getting a race in. Uh, Outlaw Speedway not quite so lucky. Woodhull getting a race in. Uh, Utica Rome thus far not able to get anything um, on track yet. And real quick, we'll check in and see how things are going with Steven at home. He's in the uh, Turn 5 Live studios, right? Yeah, that's what uh, that's what the Skype account's under. And anyway. <laughs> we don't exactly do the show anymore, but the account still works. That's a good thing. I like the walls. Yeah, man, we're uh, we're always adding new stuff. Um, I I posted on social media a little while ago that I just uh, acquired the sail panel and quarter panel off the twentieth championship car from Billy Van Pelt last year. So. Uh, we've got to make some space for that. Yeah, that's cool. That'll that'll that deserves some wall space, huh? Yeah, absolutely. What's the um, what's the Danny Johnson panel? Uh, so the Danny Johnson panel is off of one of the first uh, orange cars that he had with uh, Chris Generelli. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough to be a lucky bidder on that, and uh, uh, also uh, picked up uh, a 9H panel from back in the hbr days with matt shepherd so and then what you can't see over on the other side here is the van pelt quarter panel and i've got an entire right side of of casey pavlik's number 18 nice so we've, we've got all sorts of stuff working that's cool uh you've been working this summer uh well this season uh, we haven't got to summer yet it's uh if we ever get to it you've had the chance to work a little bit at land of legends how's that been going it's phenomenal. Um, Paul Cole actually called me last night and said, you know, you've had a couple of days to think about how things went. What did you think? I said, it was everything and more uh, what I thought it would be. Um, you know, it's just uh, they're, they're really taking their whole media campaign and, and, you know, everything with Mike and Mel Thomas and Matt Thomas with DirtTrackDigest.tv. Um, that brings the production value up about a thousand percent. Uh, and I'm just, I'm really, I feel very fortunate to be a part of that team and be a, a very small piece of, of what they've got going on. So uh, at this point, that's all you've got on deck, right? Uh, you're not going to be doing any of the, um, any other periphery tracks or anything like this, focusing locally at Land of Legends? Yep. Uh, 100% focus is on Land of Legends right now. And, and I got to say that, uh, a big reason why I went there was, you know, I, I get to just focus on being an announcer now and, and working with the production crew. Um, I've shed, you know, PR responsibilities. Um, I've been grooming Megan DePay to take over at Woodhall for the last three years now. And so I'm helping her along a little bit in her transition to that new role. But 
uh, she's been there for three years. She knows what's going on. So uh, I've been able to really just kind of focus on Canandaigua stuff. Dave Marcicelli having some new focus here in uh, as we get closer and closer to the, the full-blown efforts of 2019. Dave, he is waiting on the line. He's break, breaking away from work a little bit to hang out with us some as he gets ready to run the 358 Super Dirt Car Series race at Utica Rome on Sunday. And, and, and judging by what the weather says, there's a 50% chance that we'll see you get on track. Dave, man, welcome to the show. All right, thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit more about how your season has, has progressed so far. We, we, we looked at uh, a couple weeks back when we had John talking about some of the transition that you're going to be taking on this year. And now uh, in talking with Dean Reynolds, it looks like you're going to be running the full 358 series this year. Yeah, that's, uh, that's our plan uh, to run that, that whole series. Uh, they made it um, easy for, or easier for somebody like me to, uh, to run that complete series because mm-hmm. I don't have to – it's not going to like um, you know Drummond and all those tracks that are right. like seven eight hours away from here, whatever the distance is. It's a long ways. Sure. And so the schedule isn't isn't that bad. I didn't I didn't realize it was it was uh, you know so doable for me till I really looked it over. <laughs> the the one thing that um, I like about well there's, there's a number of things that I like about Dean now being in that position that he's in uh, with Dirt Car Northeast is it has really um, put some of the touring efforts into perspective. Dean has such a flair for getting uh, grouped weekends that are manageable. They're going to the right tracks for the for, for what the cars are. They're not making any extravagant jumps up to tracks that the 358s don't really need to be at, things like that. And it's it, he's always done such a great job with the schedule with Empire Super Sprints. Now we've got the situation here with the 358s, and, and I really think that that's going to help them generate some followers. Yeah, I think that uh, before it was, you know, it was tough. I I think they were broken up into regions before. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't because I didn't I didn't follow it, so I didn't pay too much attention to it. But uh, you know, they made it definitely a lot easier now. I mean, I think they. I almost think we go to maybe like Cornwall and then like Mohawk or something like that, and that's mm-hmm. something that is should have been done before, even you know, with the, maybe the modifieds and stuff because they're, those tracks are so close to each other race one night at one one night at the other you know i think that's the way it is on the schedule but i could be wrong yeah mohawk mohawk was usually part of a, of a two race back to back but i can't remember where the other race was yeah um uh like i said i haven't quite studied the uh the uh, schedule all the way yet but i i know that just as far as just looking it over quick and making the decision to do it that uh you know it's something that i'm looking forward to because i I always enjoy doing the sportsman stuff, and so this is uh, definitely a different challenge, and you know, looking forward to it. Uh, what's the weekly program going to look like at this point? Uh, Fulton will be the the focus of like our weekly track as far as every week with the uh, small block car, and then uh, and then Mike's uh, big block car will be basically every race that we score, and then. Uh, you know, a lot of there some of the tour shows and stuff, which you know it's been it's been terrible because I had two big races within an hour of my house. You know, get rained out, so that was kind of tough. And we haven't done much racing at all. I've raced, I got three cars in the shop, and I've only raced once in, in each one of them, and and then got some practice in and stuff. And you know, uh, Mother Nature's been a little bit tough to us this year, and. You know, I want you know, I mentioned to get some seat time to to get better because 
can't get any better with the car sitting in the garage and it raining out. Sure, sure. Um, it it hasn't been hasn't been easy, huh, Stephen? Trying to get races in this year? No, not not one bit. I mean, uh, it's it's crazy that we're coming up on the middle of May now, and some tracks have only got one show in. If you're lucky enough to have had been able to have one show in, it's just been absolutely relentless here, and I. I don't even want to say it, Chris, but tomorrow is is looking much the same. Yeah, not promising. <laughs> I I can't remember what it was. I think Woodhall did this here uh, last year, the year before, and Eucharome ended up having to jump in that boat a couple years back where they had so many rainouts that they weren't getting anything done, so they ended up moving to like a Tuesday night or a Thursday night program. How long are we going to go before we start seeing some of that midweek stuff crop up? I think Woodhall just tried to do that. Well, uh, it's funny you say that. You, you and I are on the same level today because driving home, I was thinking about the fact, and I was going to make a post on social media tomorrow if, if outlaws, unfortunately, you know, if they lose one tomorrow again. You know, there was a new track promoter slash track owner who really stuck his neck out in his first year promoting and went with a Thursday night thunder race just to get the season started. And that guy was by the name of Tyler Seary. And I'm thinking that three years later, same situation, weather just not cooperating no matter what they do. I, can he pull the rabbit out of the hat one more time and throw a Thursday Night Thunder in? And, I mean, I feel like, you know, back in 2016, that was a home run. I think it could be a home run again, but, you know, it, there's certainly a lot of risk in doing that too. So it's, you know, it, it's just been really hard on everybody. It's a big gamble. I mean, Utica Rome has been trying now for almost a month to try and get the, the doors open there, and obviously they haven't had any luck. And, and Utica Rome was such a, uh, a staple of the 358 program there for, for a long, long time, um, going back to 2018 to get the last race in for them with the, the series. So Matt Shepard, of course, won that, and, and then it was about a seven-year gap back to Matt Williamson when he won the last attempt at the 358 tour at Utica Rome. That, of course, was rained out. <laughs> Hard to believe, right? Yeah, yeah. That's just, it, it's nuts, man. That track has been dealt a shitty hand for a long time. Yeah. Last year was I mean, rough. We were, and... they, were, they were forecasting, like, almost no chance of rain Sunday. And we were at Wheatsport, and the sun was shining. We load up, left Wheatsport, and we got there, and all it did was, was rain the whole time we were there. Then we turned around and came home. I got there at a quarter after two, and it started raining at three, and it didn't stop till I got back to my house at six o'clock. Yeah, and it showed like fifteen percent chance of rain. <laughs> that number steadily got higher. It was fifteen, then it was twenty, then it was forty. And I was talking with uh, Derek McGrew from DKM Race Car Chassis, and he looked at the ground. And he goes, "Have you ever heard of a stone forecast?" I kind of shrugged my shoulders. I didn't really get what he was going at, and and he said, "You see that stone right there? If that stone's wet, it's a hundred percent chance of rain." that's true yeah that's pretty accurate um you've had you've had some success at at utica rome before um moving up into the 358 does that change much i mean it would it would strike me that you've got a a much different notebook to fall back on versus when you had the the crate cars yeah well you know this is all different so we you know we we struggle with trying to figure out you know what gear to run there and and i've I've started out the year with with similar setups, but we're 
you know, the 358 uh, different shock package with, with me switching to Integra's for the modified, so I'm trying to figure out, you know, what what's the right shock package with those on, and, you know, now we're trying to run that left side panner, which I never ran with a sportsman, right. and uh, we've been kind of, you know, we went to Wheat Sport and tested a little bit with that, which if we would have known Utica was going to rain out, we would have hung around there longer and tried some more stuff, but it's, uh, it's you know, a different feel, especially that left side panner, it just, it feels a lot different, but, uh I feel like that uh, we're close. You know, we we kind of came out of the box with a with a pretty decent setup that was uh, competitive. But you know, at Fulton, we just uh, we were good, but we drew like you know one of the worst numbers and started in the back of a heat, and then right. you know starting 14th in a, a field of very good race cars isn't good. It ain't. Uh, I know it's not sportsman racing anymore. It's very hard to drive to the front. You know, I kind of just worked my way up to like ninth tenth and then just kind of hung around there like the whole race because there's just so many good cars and you need to get that car really good in order to like you know drive to the front and you know i'm racing with guys that have been doing it for a very long time so uh just hoping that we get the car good and then um i feel like i can drive it when it's good so you know we're just you know working on that part the 358 class is coming back and, and the sportsman class has has been so strong for so long, and it and it served its purpose. Now you've seen a bunch of different drivers from the sportsman class that are that are willing to jump up to uh, what is now a a little bit more affordable option with the 358 compared to what it was several years ago. And now with the user friendly schedule, um, getting all those guys to move up, it's it's serving its purpose. The sportsman is feeding the 358s, and the 358 is going to stand on its own, and then. Hopefully, after a little bit of time uh, with with a schedule like this that they've put together that is user friendly and, and they can keep the costs in, in check a little bit, some of those guys will then in turn jump up to the modifieds and and we'll be back to where we were back in like two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five, when that was the whole idea of it, bringing the sportsmen along and, and trying to get them to uh, to feed up one another to the the modified side. Um, does it seem? I mean, it's 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 premature at this point. But when you look at the number of sportsman guys that have made the jump up to the three fifty eights, and does it seem like to you, Dave, with with the communications that you've got with other guys in the division, that that that's the direction that that was the the catalyst? Did it work that way, or was it just they were bored of the sportsman car and wanted to move up? Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. I. I... I think some people, that's like their ultimate goal is to move from the sportsman, say, to the modified or, you know, whether it's 358 or big block. And the, the cost difference is, is quite a bit different. Oh, but, yeah. yeah, you can get big blocks that are, you know, relatively uh, decent in price and stuff. And uh, But uh, the small blocks aren't that bad. Uh, you know, that I have one now that, uh, that we bought that was kind of used, but yet had almost no laps on it and stuff and and then right now uh we're working on getting another one from brian Donna since mm-hmm. we plan on running the series that we'd like to have a, a motor sitting there a backup motor and stuff right. but uh it's still expensive and i and i obviously i couldn't afford to do it without you know the help of the sponsors and stuff like that but uh yeah it's uh i would say i don't know whether they're bored of it or not but uh you know, some people that's just what they want to do, and and it's something that I've wanted to do for for a long time. Which I said a long time ago that 358 racing was was something that I was very interested in doing. But you know, I didn't have the money back then, anyways. But there was no uh, 358 racing around here. You know, and then now now with 
Fulton going three fifty eight and you know Utica Rome and and stuff. Um, you know, there's I'm hoping that you know places like Wheat Sports start having a few more three fifty eight races and and other tracks do as well. Well, that's that's certainly with the the trail schedule out there the way that it is, uh, Stephen. You'll agree that that did help quite a bit having a number of tracks switch over to the small block program all at the same time and and it gave those guys the opportunity to race without having to buy a separate car and separate motor just to chase tracks all over canada without any place to really race at home yeah definitely if if you you wouldn't have been able to make this happen if it had just been you know one track that was really willing to to stick their neck out a bit on this so you know i think that they really approached this whole thing the right way to get people on board to to really grow this and make it happen i'm i'm surprised at how quick it has caught on and expanded and and this is just the beginning i you know i think there's a lot more growth to be had here the series is going to start this sunday at utica Rome speedway on may the 12th utica Rome hosting the st Lawrence healthcare 100 the trail is going to then take uh, over a month off before they race again June the 26th at Can-Am, and then June the 27th at Fulton, back-to-back. Then we've got another two weeks off before racing back-to-back at Cornwall and Mohawk, and then another over-month break before heading up to Airborne, uh, excuse me, Plattsburgh, uh, on the 20th of October. Then it's not until after Labor Day before they race again, Can-Am and Mohawk on the 7th and 13th of September. Then we get into Utica Rome on Tuesday night during Super Dirt Week on the 8th of October. The 9th of October is Weedsport. The 10th of October is the Hurricane 100 at Brewerton. And then the 12th of October is the Super Dirt Week event for the 358-150 lapper booked there. And then the season will uh, com- conclude the 19th of October at uh, Brockville, Ontario. So it really doesn't get super dense. You look at, at a third of the schedule is happening after the 8th of October, and they're done by the 18th. That's not uh, that's not too bad when you look at it. Somebody who's trying to travel, trying to juggle a regular day job, somebody who's trying to juggle um, weekly obligations and things like that. In, in a lot of these events, the way that they're grouped back to back with a with a double header on a weekend, it certainly makes it a lot more enticing than than what it used to be. Yeah, it yeah. Does. That, like I said, when they when they did like Cornwall and Mohawk, you know, what I mean, those places are I don't know, fifteen twenty minutes from each other, if that. And that's smart thinking, and I've always thought that they should have done that, even with the sportsmen, because the sportsmen hit Cornwall, and then they also hit Mohawk, too. You know, and I think the big blocks do the same thing and stuff. So that was uh, very smart of them to, to do that stuff. Plus, there are their tracks that run on, you know, say, 400 tires, so you're kind of uh, for right rears, so you're already on, you know, a track, already working on, you know, racing on harder tires. So it's uh, it's a good thing to see. Any thoughts on it, Stephen? You started to started to have us a couple thoughts on that too. No, I, I just I think that the the way they've got the schedule lined up is is really perfect because you know you're you're trying to you know attract teams that you know the, some teams may be moving up from the sportsman ranks and going out on a full out assault of races all summer long all over the the northeast in Canada. Uh, I think they've really been very strategic and, and done a nice job with how they put that schedule together. We'll see more on Sunday when we get ready for the St. Lawrence Healthcare event scheduled for Unicrome Speedway. Uh, again, online, jump on there. You can find all the action at com. All the action will be also streamed live, dirttrackdigest.tv as well. Uh, 
that's also where you can find all of Steven's action. Land of Legends Raceway streaming on Dirt Track Digest TV weekly. Um, I wish that Tyler would get on board with that program because I think it'd be nice to have a, a, a package here in the Finger Lakes where you can see Friday action Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I, I think that would be that would be the the I think that would be badass, man. I really do. I, I think that you know to be able to have that kind of lineup, like you said, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, three tracks that you know are different shape and size uh, are you know you know produce different racing each night uh with different you know really different groups of drivers there are some that cross over but what a what an expansion that would be and and i agree but i also i also know that you know there's there's definitely uh a bunch of things to consider with that and and i speak on that perspective coming from a racetrack that is kind of tossed the idea of possibly doing it back and forth and and you know at that at the moment right now before the season started there just wasn't enough pros to you know kind of overweigh you know the some of what what's viewed as is is you know potential cons to to doing that um i personally i i love it i i think it's a great thing one thing that really sold me on the whole idea is the fact that you know, when you're trying to attract new new race fans, and, and every track, every series is trying to do that, you know, one way, you know, to get new fans to come visit your facility and see your product, you've got to get your product in front of them. And, and this is one way to do that. You know, how many times do you go to a concert or a v- concert venue without looking, doing your research first or listening to the band? I mean, who would go to a concert for a band they've never heard of before? Right. Um, so, so I mean, I, I think that that's a good comparison to say, well, for 2 or $3 more than the general admission ticket, we can watch it from the comforts of the man cave or the comforts of our living room. And, you know, if we really like what we see, we want to go see it in person. I mean, I, I want everybody to come see it in person uh, to see it at the racetrack. There's no other experience like it. But we have to be realistic when we're talking about trying to grow our sport and get it in front of new fans. And, you know, before they're willing to take the plunge to bring the whole family out, give them a video feed and, and show them. You know, these and the live look-ins do that as well without them having to make the commitment of, you know, the, the full price to watch it that night. Well, in in my experience with, with live streaming events and things like that, you you don't lose – your local market nearly as much as as you probably think that you might when the weather's questionable yeah they might they may not come to the door but if the weather's questionable and you're gonna call thrice anyway you didn't lose anything they're still gonna come because you can't beat being there you can't sit in the man cave at home and pick dirt out of your ears you know what i mean it's just not the same it's a, the, the experience isn't the same they're gonna come to the track the difference being, of course, that you now have a reach that is across the United States. It's up and down the East Coast. You can get to all these all these different fans who might end up making it a destination trip to one of the special events. You know, they want to pair it with a trip to Oswego. Sunday before they go back home, they come over to Utica, Rome, or they come in early because they want to see the, the, the supers at, at Oswego. They hit Outlaw Friday night. There's a bunch of different ways that you can see those pieces fitting together, and, and it, it's, it, it's a struggle sometimes for me to – to hear the argument, well, we don't want to lose our, lo- our our local fan base. You won't because if it's racing, people would prefer to be there. They want to be there in person, and, and, and you nailed it. If they can scout the game first and see what they're getting themselves into, 
it's a no-brainer after that. You've got them hooked. Chris, I'll give you a great example here. Saturday night when we did the the RPM Raceway live look-in from Land of Legends, uh, I, I clicked on the video real quick uh, while we were in between heat races and just looked at all the different people that were watching and commenting. Mm-hmm. And I threw a comment in that uh, feed and said, hey, if you're watching this live look-in, tell us where you're watching from. Because I, I just my own curiosity. Right. We had people from is near, and I say near, but Cowdersport, Pennsylvania was was one. I thought, wow, that's a pretty good distance away from Canandaigua, New York. But then I kept scrolling, and I saw Waco, Texas. I saw Chico, California, Mooresburg, Tennessee, uh, Beaumont, Texas, Sioux City, Iowa. And the one that really floored me, until Paul Harkenreiter tipped me in as to why, uh, we had fans from Australia that were watching Jordan Thomas. I don't know if it's fans or family. It's one of the two. But we had folks from Australia watching our live feed from Canadagua. Now, is somebody flying from Australia just to come to Land of Legends Raceway? I, I don't know. But if there's people that are watching from Cowdersport, Pennsylvania, that want to take a trip on a Saturday night to a track they've never been to before, this they they've already got a preview of what they're going to see. They they can see what the track, what the action is like, who the players are. You know, in this this uh, you know the other night it ended up being a 46 minute clip of the Patriot Sprint Tour heat races, but again. They got to see some of the most powerful machines that you're going to see at this track, and they got a preview of it to see what they could see if they're there in person. So it's it's crazy the reach that that had on Saturday night. We've done that before, just try, trying to get a roll call of where people are watching from when we did the stuff with Crash Course Demolition Derby yeah. podcast. And we've had Japan, Poland, yeah. Brazil, France, uh, Germany – and immediately it's kind of like, wow, what, this is an anomaly. And, and the biggest input, uh, Brazil apparently has a big demolition derby community, and it wasn't that, wasn't that far of a stretch. But uh, same thing with the banger racing in Great Britain. But otherwise, a lot of those countries that come, came off as anomalies, like it's just a bot that's watching, they were servicemen and women that were stationed overseas that were looking for a little taste of home. And they happened upon that on their social media in between their, their duties defending our, our country and maintaining peace around the world. So that was really cool that, that they were able to tune in and watch for a few minutes too. And, and yeah, it's neat to see the countries, but it's even, it, it was even more special to be part of something that helped them feel a little bit more connected to home. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a pretty cool honor right there. Dave, have you, have you um, got any of the packages? Have you watched any of the races when, when you're not working on the car or heading off to the track? Um, I think I've watched uh, the uh, Your Own Feed before. Yeah, and stuff. But um, <clears throat> like I watched some of the uh, the dirt races, you know, as far as uh, like say like uh, Dirt Vision, which is basically the you know the same yep. thing, but mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And um, there was just a race not too long ago that we watched. Um, um, shoot, um, the one the Shepherd one out in uh, Delaware. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? That was on uh, Dirt Track Digest and stuff. So that stuff allows, you know, me, I, I like it. I think the stuff is is a good idea. I don't think it hurts somebody that's, you know, 15, 20 minutes away is going to stop them from going to the racetrack. But it allows people that, that can't make it there and stuff to, to be able to watch it and stuff. Uh, 
Um, yeah, so it's nice to see uh, more of an expansion of uh, the stuff that they're racing being, you know, live streamed. And, and uh, you know, I will, you know, watch whatever I can. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's nice to see. Well, that short track super series race uh, that was in Georgetown, and then Matt also won at Delaware International uh, down in Del Mar with a short track super series here recently. He basically went undefeated in the month of April. He won every every race that he started. He won through the month of April. So either way, Dave Marcacelli wasn't going to be in the grandstands to watch that race. But because it was on uh, on uh, a stream, be it Flow Racing, be it Dirt Track Digest, whatever, just being that it was available, you had to watch it instead of waiting for the press release to come out the next day. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, nice and. Um, I'm not the only one, you know, obviously, but uh, stuff like that, it, it is nice. And I've always I always thought that there should be more of it out there because, uh, you know, dirt racing is is very entertaining to watch, you know, compared to that, you know, the asphalt stuff that's on Sunday, which is obviously dying when you look at their stands, you know, because the, the racing is just not, not good, you know. So, right. But modified racing has always been good and will always be good. You know, as far as dirt racing goes, it's always entertaining. It's always the guy starting the back of ways and working his way up. And, you know, in the races, uh, unless it's that, uh, that uh, Georgetown race, I believe that took the modified feature two hours to run because everybody had to pet for tires, you know. <laughs> an, yeah. an unusual thing. But, uh, yeah, it's nice. To, I'd rather watch that stuff, that's for sure. If you count the number of flat tires that they went through. Oh, oh. The American racer was very happy, and the and the racer themselves were not happy. Uh, <laughs> that I, thing was a disaster <laughs> to watch. I think I... I don't think American Racer was very happy. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that's not the way that they want to make money. That's that's not necessarily <laughs> something that they want. I don't think. No, but they still they're still they're still making money. They're still selling tires. So, you know, it's 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 not their fault that the track is the way it is. But I do know that American yeah, racers are not is. like a durable tire. They wear out fast. You know, it's, and it seems like they race on a lot of uh, race tracks that are that are tough on tires, and and they seem to to chew away fast. I mean, I think uh, Jason Simmons sent me a picture. Um, what was it? Not even 15 laps into the sportsman feature, and his uh, right rear was bald and flat already. Right. So they're just not uh, as durable of a tire as, say, Hoosiers are. They seem to uh, be able to handle those uh, hard tracks a lot better. The 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 race itself, man, the about 25 laps, and then we sort of hit this wall. It took about 40 minutes to get to lap 32, but then after that, we got a, a pretty entertaining finish with. Stu Freeze and Ryan Watt chasing down Matt Shepard in, in that one back in, when they were at Georgetown. It was a fun one to watch for sure. Um, you're going to be – I'm trying to think of what your schedule was when we talked last time. Are you going to have any races where you're on American Racer tires? Uh, just on my sportsman car. Just the sportsman car. Yeah, which I'm planning on racing you know, going uh, tomorrow to Outlaw if, if the weather cooperates because my plan was to go to Brewerton in the big block. But obviously that's already been canceled, so we'll probably go there because I still I still kept one of my sportsman cars, and right. you know I, I I love the race, and you know I would I would do it for a living if I could, but but I'm just uh, apparently I'm not just not that good, you know, to, to be able to do it for a living or lucky enough to pick up a ride where they want to pay. But uh, you know it's 
it's uh, if, if I can get a chance to get in my sportsman, I'll, I'll race that also, and that's that's the plan tomorrow. Patience, patience. Maybe that full time ride is yet to come. Well, I mean, I got a ride with Mike, but mm-hmm. it's not like a ride where I can quit my job. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I mean. I, I remember we talked before that you were you were teaming up with Mike, and and that relationship it, it was pretty much an ideal situation. It gives you a chance to get into a big block, gives you a chance to work on the car. Everything is really aligning the right way for that. Uh, how's that gone since the last time we spoke? Uh, went good. You know, we went down to to Can Am, and I you know, was able to you know run with a lot of good guys, a lot of guys that have been doing it forever. You know, going down there and be able to to time trial second and finish second in the heat and start tenth, and kind of just got the misfortune of a of a flat tire early on, and just kind of. Uh, to kind of hang around near the back uh, the rest of the race but that that race was tough it was i think the race took like an hour and a half it was just a a lot of people liked apparently liked running into the uke tires when we were there because that was <laughs> i don't think there was one actual like wreck that whole race other than people uh clipping uke tires which was seemed to be very popular when we were there so but i was happy you know we went out the goal that going there was to qualify and and run all 100 laps and i did that and uh you know it came close to finishing the top 10 and i was looking forward to these races these big races at these tracks that i've you know i've run well with in the sportsman and you know obviously much of nature didn't cooperate with that <laughs> me i kind of wonder why <clears throat> these racetracks and i think have done in the past somebody's done to where they look at the weather and it's like listen the weather looks like shit for today why don't we just move the show, you know, one more day? And, you know, Outlaw was a perfect example of that. It was beautiful the day before and the day after, you know. Right. But I don't know the logistics of that was running the series, but to me, if they moved it a day, everybody that was going to show up is still going to show up, you know. So I don't know. That's not my my decision, but uh, it's something that I always that they thought that they should possibly look into. We'll let Dean worry about that. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, I hope you get the race in down at Outlaw. I know I, th- I think pretty much everybody at Outlaw hopes the race gets in down at Outlaw. Yeah, I mean they've. I mean, all the tracks around here have uh, been dealt a lot of misfortune with uh, Mother Nature. You know, you know most tracks only have gotten one race in so far, and you know, you know here we are. We're approaching the summer months and. Uh, and just itching to go racing. Like me, I've only raced uh, three times, and like I said, I got three different cars that I can race in three different divisions. And I've, you know, I've only raced each of them one time, and and it's kind of disappointing a little bit to have like a you know a big block ride and and not be able to race it. Well, in terms of prepping the 358 car and prepping the the modified and getting used to those, even those opportunities have been taken away because the tests and tunes didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of them happened close to me, but uh, a lot of them got canceled also that I, you know, had planned on going to and stuff because me, I was looking for uh, a maximum amount of seat time. Like I said, you can't get good with the the car sitting in the garage, and and I want to run good, and I want to be competitive, and and so turning laps is uh, what I want to do. But but still, practice isn't the same as racing. Um, It's a little different. You're kind of by yourself. And stuff, so it's easy to, to turn good laps. But it's different when you get out there racing with uh, other people. So, but it's still nice to get a feel for the car and uh, figure out, you know, what what the car likes and what the car doesn't like. Sure. Uh, in terms of the live streams, does that help you recruit sponsors? 
What's that? In terms of the live streams, going back to that for a second, does that help you recruit sponsors? Um, I I would say that somebody could use it as a tool to, to help uh, with sponsors. You know, to the more eyeballs that are that are on the cars, I think would think you could you could probably use it that way. I'm probably the the worst sponsorship hunter uh, ever, <laughs> so <laughs> so I, it's hard for me to comment on that. But I would say these people that are really good at tracking down sponsors and stuff probably uh, use that, uh, you know, as part of their uh, resume with, uh, you know, saying that uh, this stuff is being seen a lot more on the computers and stuff like that. Makes a good point. Weather permitting, God willing, Mother Nature complying. We're going to see Dave Marcacelli driving the 358 Super Dirt Car Series race at Unicrome Speedway on Sunday. Make sure you get up to the track. Uh, if you can't make it to the track, Jump on DirtTrackDigest.tv. You can watch all the action from the Super Dirt Car Series 358 Tour event at Utica Rome online. Dave, I know you're at work. I appreciate you coming on the show. And, and I, I got to tell you, um, Dean, when I messaged Dean and said, who, who should we talk to? The first name that he came out with was yours. And I was like, well, we've got a relationship with him. So I'm pretty sure that'll be a good start. But he, uh, he made a good recommendation. I hope you guys do well this weekend. Yeah, well, I thank Dean for that, for uh, thinking of me, you know what? I- I chat with him a little bit back and forth on, uh, you know, through Messenger and stuff like that. Usually if I have any questions, he's usually pretty good at answering them all for me and stuff. And, you know, I appreciate him reckon even uh, my name even popping into his head for, for something like this. Um, you know, that, that's nice. Any sponsors you want to make mention of? Uh, just uh, All-Star Contractors, uh, Mohawk Northeast, uh, Bicknell Race Stars, Storman. Um, you know, those are... Uh, those are pretty much the uh, main main people that are you know making this happen. Awesome, Dave. I know you got to get back to work, man. I appreciate you coming and hanging out with us for a little bit, and I hope to you on, hope to see you on Sunday. All right, thank you. I hope so too. <laughs> we'll see you later. There goes Dave Marcacelli. Thanks a lot, Dave. We'll catch up with Dave a little bit later on. Glad he was able to make some time and come and hang out for a little while. So, Stephen. Are we going to race this weekend or what? Is, I mean, at this point, have, have we, we've already lost Brewerton. Uh, I, I feel like Outlaw, as much as we can hope and wish that it happens, is probably not too far behind. Are we going to have another weekend like the last several? I certainly hope not. <laughs> um, Saturday, I, I can speak for Saturday. Saturday looks really good. Um, but I will temper that by saying so didn't last Saturday. And when we opened the pit gates to start allowing people to pay to get in, we were standing in drizzle. And we're like, what is going on? Like, there was 0% chance of rain, uh, or maybe 5 or 10%. Well, we got the 5 or 10%. And if you looked on the radar, everything was so low to the ground that radar wasn't picking it up. So we're, every, you know, I, I was watching everybody standing there with their phones looking at the radar and saying, there's no green here. There's no green on the radar. What's going on? Well, you know, it was just, it was crazy. And and I got to say, I, I think we were as close as a track comes to losing the show because at one point it was just a, a steady, heavy mist. And, and at one point we were, we almost lost the track. I mean, we had to have some drivers come help us out and, and give us a hand. We had all the tow trucks, all the push trucks for the sprint cars out there, and we got the track back. But I think we got as close to skirting the line 
of just calling the show as as you can get. And you know, props to to Paul and and Greg Emerson and Greg Hickson for you know putting their nose to the grindstone and sticking it out because you know for for what the weather was the crowd was actually pretty good and you know for for a show like that it's always a big risk when you've got weather like that but at that point when it started misting and it wouldn't stop you've got a pit full of cars you've got a lot of folks either already in the grandstands or out by their cars they're there so you got to go for it at that point i mean you're at that point when we're sitting there at five o'clock saying i think we're going to lose the racetrack and then it stopped all of a sudden then then it's like all right we got to go for it now we had packers on the track at utica rome and the mist was getting heavier and heavier and it got to a point where it was no longer packing and sealing it was just generating more mud so we pull all the packers off and um went and filled the water truck full Jack the thing right full to get the extra weight, and and it never even made it back out onto the track with with the effort of trying to trying to pack it. We had a couple a couple of the drivers, and I was walking around getting data on the drivers that were there. They said, uh, so, you know, what's going to happen? They're waiting for a call, just like anybody else is. They don't want to stand around in the rain if they don't have to. I was just telling them the, the the most logical thing that I could when I was talking with them. Just kept telling them we're we're twenty five minutes away from hot laps. Get the drivers in the cars. Yep. No, absolutely. That's <laughs> that was <laughs> exactly because because at that point, you know, it's what do you do? <laughs> you know, it's just everybody was coming in at, at Land of Legends on Saturday, and everybody, you know, like I said, I drove in from Rochester from doing some work up there, and I the mist followed me from Rochester all the way to Canandaigua, and I thought, man for what the weather forecast was this this is not at all what it was supposed to be and then all the drivers got there and and you know the mist that they had gotten for several hours had started to really you know and the rain the night before you know the pits were wet and and people were looking around finding where you know where are we going to pit everybody um i hats off to a lot of the sprint car guys with the patriot sprint tour that came in we we had them pitted all over the place behind the grandstands um, out, you know, where a lot of the folks will drive in and park, uh, just outside of turn four. We, we had, we had trailers and, and big rigs everywhere, uh, just to make that happen. And, uh, you know, it took a whole lot of, uh, you know, at first when guys first got there, it's, it's, it's that, it's that old thing, Chris, where you call the racetrack and the racetrack says, Oh, it's sun shining. It's beautiful. Come on out. And then you get there and it's raining, right. <laughs> but truly that that was exactly what happened was you know it, uh, the sunshine i don't think was really out most of the day but you know that heavy mist never started until late afternoon yeah. and then it was just that annoying just enough to keep wetting the racetrack and it just wouldn't stop and then for you know whatever reason it finally did and it never came back the rest of the night and i remember sitting in the tower looking at wendy and greg emerson and you know, we got the track back. They're coming out for hot laps. And I turned to them and said, wow, this is actually going to happen. Like, we're actually going to race. I thought we were done for. I mean, Chris, you know, how many times have you been at an event where you're almost ready to start, you get weather, and then you just know. Before the call is made, you just know this is not going to happen. Right. Uh, and and uh, I think all of us in the tower thought we were well past that point. 
But um, man, I, that talk about a show that probably probably shouldn't have happened, and it did, uh, just because everything lined up just perfectly. Over there at the Land of Legends, Chuck Hubing got the win in the Patriot Sprint Tour 25 lapper. That was worth 2,000 to win. Paulie Cole Giovanni was next. Jordan uh, Thomas, Joe Trenka, Jordan Poye uh, rounding out the top five. Matt Shepard won the Modifieds. Again, hard to believe there. 35 laps the distance for them, 2,000 to win. Justin Harris was next with Jimmy Phelps in third. Eric Rudolph and Billy Dunn rounded out the top five. Kane Bristol, he won the 25-lap Sportsman Main over Mike uh, Stanton and Paul Guerrero. Andrew Smith and Matt Guerrero were in the top five. Alex Payne won over Billy Payne and Dalton Martin in that 20-lap B Main for the Sportsman. Johnny Klosek won uh, the 305 sprint feature over Jeff Trombley and Daryl Ruggles. And then Adam DePew won the street stock feature over Mark Manudolo and Glenn Wirtnauer. Um This weekend, Land of Legends is collecting donations in support of Mercy Flight, which is right there out of Canandaigua. So that's going to be cool to get out there and support them. Um, you were talking about where to pit everybody. Did you see the problem that Fulton ran into on Saturday? <laughs> I didn't see any pictures, but uh, I, I probably don't have to imagine. They had three sportsman features. That is insane. They had That's 60, insane. They had 61 sportsman cars signed in. Just just sportsmen. <laughs> not to not count all the other classes that they had on deck. Yeah. I mean, and 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 Chris, think think of that. I mean, that was, that was what, a Saturday night show. That right. was not a series race. That was not a, a you know... That was a Saturday night, you know, kicking off the season show for Fulton, and they had three sportsman features. That was incredible. And they had to do that a bunch of times last year, break it down into two and three. And yeah, there was a couple of debates on on what the best way to do that is. Do you do you just randomize it and whoever races wherever ends up wherever, and off you go with it, or do you try and handicap it so that you've just got the strong cards, you've got the mid grade cards, and you've got the, the the people that are trying to learn. And I don't know if there is a right answer because if you're slanting it where it's just the – if you get somebody who's really, really new but really, really good and they go on a tear and they start winning a bunch, then do you move them up so that they're running against the, the, the mid-card guys and then that screws up their points chase? Or Now, do you have to make three different sportsman divisions at a given track? I, I like the idea of, of the wild-card element of it where it's random, where everybody's just racing against everybody. They're all out there and, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I mean – Back when I raced four cylinders at, at Outlaw, there was a point in time where we had so many four cylinders, they did split us up into two features, and it was random. You never knew who was going to be in what feature. It was just how things worked out qualifying through the heat races. But that that was my first question. When you just said that, that's my first question as somebody that used to do track points at, at a racetrack is – if you do split them up into certain groups, how does that affect the points? If if a guy in that middle tier, all of a, like you said, strings off four or five wins in a row, all of a sudden now your point race skews a little bit. So yeah, that's um, that's I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to to hear from them, kind of you know their their thought process on how to do that because there's a couple different ways to do it, and I don't know if any of them are the right way to do it. Who knows what the right way to do it is. Well, I suppose you only have to do it once, and you'll find out what the right way to do it, because anybody with a Facebook <laughs> login is going to let you know where you messed up. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Over hey, at you, Fulton, Chris, Larry White got the win in that one. Pat Ward was on his heels the whole race, a big wreck on lap 19, kind of reset the field. Joe Shields flipped during that. There was 10 laps to go, and Larry White took over. 
and basically checked out. Pat Ward was was with him, um, but couldn't get anything on him. Todd Root even got up in there to battle into the top three, but it was just about a second lead at the line for Larry White over Ward Root, Ryan Arthur Bonat, and Ronnie Davis. Again, we talked about the 61 Sportsman cars that were signed in, and, and man, they had, a, they had some good racing too. Um, Matt Janchik won that one over, uh, won the first one over Alan Fink and Jackson Gill. Jack Meeks won the second one over Chris Mackey and Amy Holland. And then Joe Hall won the third over Rick Miller and uh, A.J. Miller. Let's see here. I know they had a sportsman feature as well. Uh, Brandon uh, Creighton won the, the novice feature as well. And Chris Fleming ended up winning the uh, late models. So they were pretty busy over there. It was a, it was a good one. Uh, 61 sportsman cars. I mean, that's, that's more than some super, uh, super dirt car series sportsman trail races get. Yeah, and you know that is in the last what year and a half. That's not nothing new to to Fulton. Their no. their their division there has been has been growing right along. And even with and, and think about that, Chris. Even the switch to three fifty eights, and and I don't know how many guys chose to go the three fifty eight route, but this is sixty one cars. Even after that that transition, and guys <laughs> having the opportunity to kind of move up if they choose to do so. And now they still have 60. I mean, that's 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 pretty wild. One thing I wanted to mention, you went over the, the Land of Legends results. I wanted to give a shout-out real quick to, to Johnny Kolasek. Um, what a race that was on Saturday night. He drew, I mean, this is a young man who, you know, come up through the ranks. I think he started out at Paradise Speedway. Um, and I think it was 600s that he started in, in the micro sprints. He drove around Daryl Ruggles, who's won just about everything in a 305 over the <laughs> last couple of years, and drove around last year's CRSA champion Jeff Trombley and former modified competitor and, and winner Jeff Trombley to get his first ever win at Canandaigua. That, I mean, that race was toward the end of the night, and I know a lot of people you know, got up in, after they saw the mods and the sprints you know, the, the folks that came to see those got up and left, and, and I don't blame them because of the weather. We started behind as it was. But if you left early Saturday night, what a race you missed. And, and I just want to give a shout-out to that young man because he just he put it up on the cushion and said, you know, it was one of those, we're either going to win this race or I'm going to have to explain to Mike Emhoff that I broke his race car. I mean, <laughs> he just he, – his pass of Jeff Trombley on the outside of turn two – he looked like Chuck Heaving. Yeah, and and you don't you don't throw that term around lightly. Sure. At, at Land of Legends. Uh, World of Outlaws Nas Energy Drink Sprint Car Series is going to be in town May nineteenth, coming over to Weedsport Speedway. Gates are going to open at four o'clock on May nineteenth. Racing to follow at seven. The Super Dirt Car Series is going to be at Weedsport May the twenty seventh for the Heroes Remembered one hundred. That race is going to pay seventy five hundred to win. The Dirt Car Sports and the CRSA Sprint are also going to be on the card. Gates at three, racing at six. Each event has uh, that fan pass upgrade available. If you jump online, just hit the ticketing link on WeedsportSpeedway.com. You can get all the information about that. Uh, that deadline. Um, fluctuates depending on when the date for that particular race that you're buying the tickets for uh does sit and that's the only trip that the world of outlaw sprint cars are making to uh new york this year so um make sure you get over there and check that race out again may the 19th and then the super dirt car series is going to be in action again for that heroes remembered 100 over memorial day weekend uh did you want to talk about the race at outlaw yeah 
Yeah, there wasn't one. They, they rained out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it that was unfortunate. I was planning on making the trip there. I I've got uh, you know for Friday nights. I don't really have a whole lot on the schedule, so I got a couple of reserved seats over there this year. And I was looking forward to taking that one. Are in they upstairs just... in the announcer's booth? <laughs> no, 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 sir. I I've got a couple of seats top row. Uh, just under the VIP towers, and and I don't, I know I don't make it there every week, certainly, but there are probably five or six shows a year that I'll get over there too, and you know, just go and kind of remind yourself why we got into this thing and, and right. be a race fan. Uh, and I was really, I'm not gonna lie, I was really looking forward to going over there on Tuesday uh, to see the Super Dirt Car Series show, but um, you know, Mother Nature's just not been kind to them at all. No, uh, I was I, I was battling some pretty serious nerves when I got to Utica Rome, I, and I I've done this a thousand times. It's not like it's anything new, but it's a new track in front of new new owners that I hadn't worked with before, and and new announced team that was up there, new people in the tower, and man, walking around the pits, I was just it was I was stumbling nervous. So when I first got there, right, they they gave me the the official shirt. I got to wear this in the pits. So that way, the the other folks that are working there don't give me a hard time because nobody there knows me yet. I saw one pro stock, and there's another pro stock in the back corner. I go over to it, and uh, orange number six, and I walk up. And as soon as I get there, the driver comes around the nose of the car and sticks his hand out. He goes, "I'm Brian Carter with Dirt Car. How are you?" <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> because I saw your shirt. So I said, "Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm announcing here, and and no one. It was it was kind of cool. He had his he had his pro stock there, and it was it was going to be fun to see him race. But again, you know, we've we've beaten that point to the fact that yes, Utica Rome didn't run. Uh, Land of Legend Speedway modified Sportsman 305 Sprints uh, Street Stocks, and then they got the Adult Demolition Derby on deck coming up on May 11th. I'm sure you're elated about that." You know, I think it's going to be a good time. I have never seen uh, a demo derby at Land of Legends before. I know they've had them in the past, sure. and with working a Saturday night track, I've I've never been able to get up to one of those. So uh, I did see video of one last year, and and I'm gotta I gotta tell you, Chris. You know, for me, not being a guy that's heavily immersed in in that motorsports world, I was pretty impressed with yeah. with the show they put on. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that and. You know, it, it's it's finally this this week for me is going to be that okay. This is what a normal show is like at sure. Land of Legends because last week with the weather and the time, you know, we really had to push things right along. So um, that's another thing I'm looking forward to this week is just kind of get back to looking at what a normal show looks like. Um, and maybe normal is not the right term because you know that the show is evolving every week, as Paul tells me. So. It's uh, it's going to be fun to see that, and you know, hey, hey, last week we had 21 street stocks. Now, is cancellations at Outlaw, you know, did that help that number Saturday? I'm sure it did, but I'm interested to see how many of those guys we're going to have on a weekly basis because to start out with 21 was was really awesome. So, is Glenn going to run up there weekly? Did you get a chance to catch up with him and see if that yeah. was something he'd planned on doing? I did catch up with him. He's probably not going to be a weekly guy. I think his focus will probably be outlaw, and right. I know he, he really wants to travel, uh, you know, around as well. And why not? That you know, as, as successful as he's been. <laughs> but it was interesting talking to him, though, Chris. 
he's raced at Land of Legends before, but it was in the late model days when he right. was you know winning everything in the late model. So he had never been in a street stock there, and you know him and Adam Depew and and Mark Benutlo put on a great battle and. You know, if things had gone a certain way in lap traffic, I think we might have been talking about Glenn Reitner's first street stock win at Land of Legends. He he was that good on Saturday. So, uh, but when when you have guys like a Jimmy Grant who finishes in the top five, who has predominantly always been an outlaw, you know, regular, he's going to try and make as many shows as he can there this year. But I thought that was a great run for him because. Canandaigua has not been a regular place for him. You know, that that family's bread and butter has always been Outlaw Speedway. So to see him kind of come into unfamiliar territory and, and have a top five against the competition that's there at Land of Legends, that, that was pretty good for him too. You're talking about the late models at, at Land of Legends. I mean, that was, that's Canandaigua Speedway days with the BRP late models, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yep. That's cool. <laughs> Absolutely. So. We're, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool things to come. We've got our first, um, wall of fame inductees that are coming up. I, I, uh, I can't, uh, take the top off of that bin just yet, but, uh, the, the, you know, I have heard who the first one was and, and I'm telling you that's going to be very popular. So I'm looking forward to those as well. Uh, I saw Lancaster got sold. So the drag strip is going to operate. Um, you hear anything at all about if the if the oval is going to keep going? So I don't think that the oval has a schedule out yet. But That's... I just talked to Dave Buchanan yesterday, um, and and I think he actually announced it on social media today. But he was hired back on as as his same role as media director and announcer of the oval program. So the oval program is not going away, fortunately. Um, I don't know if they know exactly what that schedule is going to look like. I think I read six or seven races at one point, mm-hmm. and and I think that's just to help the new ownership kind of get a feel for how things you know operate there. But um, I, I I'll be honest, I was nervous. You know, when you and if you're an oval racer there at Lancaster, I'm sure they were thinking the same thing. Is you know when you hear that the new ownership group is you know more immersed in the drag strip you know, in drag racing side of it, you know, I think it would have been easy to assume that, you know, well, geez, what's going to happen with the oval track. And so, you know, from what I'm hearing from Dave, it sounds like that's not going anywhere there, but they, they're in the early stages of seeing what that's going to look like. That's good. I mean, Lancaster, the way that that played out, the fact that the place got saved at all is, yes. is fantastic. The new owners bought a drag strip. They happened to have an oval attached to it. You know, and, and there was there was some apprehensions there about what was going to happen, but I'm glad to hear that the oval's going to run. And and if you're looking for an intimate place to take in a drag race, man, that's the that's the place. You're sitting right on top of the lanes, uh, with the way that that track is is formatted. So it's uh it's an intimate place to take in a a, a drag race, and it's going to be a great place to take in an, an oval event as well. Uh, I was at a up at Velocity Speedway in Auburn Mall. And I ran into Jim Cronk, and we were kicking around some of the asphalt tracks. Jim is really big into the asphalt world. Um, spent tons and tons of time at Oswego and traveling with uh, Doug Dodaro, running around with the Supers and things like that. And and he said that one of his favorite tracks to go to um, was was that one. And and he really liked going to uh, Spencer Speedway Williamson too, which is. You know, it's kind of cool to get some of that perspective. Usually all the people that we talk to are used to seeing cars sliding sideways on dirt. 
Oh, definitely. And, you know, it, it's interesting how much crossover there there is with guys that, you know, if, if it's got four tires and a motor, they're there. Uh, so it, it's interesting to see how many of the folks we know from the from the, you know, the short track world, you know, cross over into into drag racing as well. For sure. Um trying to make sure that we covered everything that we wanted to. We were going to try and put a little bit of time into Outlaw Speedway. We can. We should probably at least pull up their schedule, let people know that they're going to put the effort in tomorrow, uh, trying to get one in. Uh, I just feel so bad for those guys having zero luck so far um, this year. Uh, again, coming up on Sunday, the 358 Super Dirt Car Series is going to be at Utica Rome Speedway. They're going to be trying to kick off the 358 Tour and officially open the uh, Oval in at Utica Rome, Little League Baseball Night for uh, Outlaw Speedway. Coming up, Modifieds are on deck along with the Hoosier Sportsman, the IMC Modifieds, the American Racer Sportsman, Street Stocks, Hobby Stocks, and the Four Cylinders. They're also going to be doing the kids' giveaway. Pits at 5 o'clock, Grandstands 5.30, racing at 7.30. Grandstand admission for adults, 13 bucks. OutlawSpeedwayLLC.com for additional details on that one. So the bike giveaway is always a home run. You can never go wrong. Little League Baseball Night, never go wrong. I think one of the best moves that they've made this year barring one of those outlaw nights that wouldn't get over with until 2 a.m. on a regular start time is pushing that start time back a half hour and giving people a little bit more breathing room between getting out of work and getting to the racetrack. I I think that was a, a really, really good move, uh, especially w- with a Friday night program. And, you know, yeah, I, you and I both speak experience from that track. I mean, uh, back back when I was announcing there, and and trying to drive when when we moved down south you know to the southern tier here when i was getting out of work at sarah at four thirty five o'clock and beating feet home then trying to get to the racetrack or when i was working in rochester trying to drive to penyan stop at the house get changed to get to the track i was getting there just in time to you know see half of hot laps and you know my poor uh, co-announcer mel thomas was always having to cover for me in hot laps because you know, when when you're working on a Friday, it's tough. And and you know, we're just we're just the support guys. We're not the guys hauling race cars and got to right. have it ready for hot laps and all that. So, so on the flip side of that, seven thirty start time is the addition of the Hoosier Sportsman class, adding another class to an already stacked card. It, it puts seven divisions on the docket for a typical Friday night, plus the bandits which start the show. So you're looking at it, it as much as eight features. If things start going awry, it, it can turn into a, a super late night, and that's one of the challenges that you don't want to get into. You know, today's racing fan has an attention span of a casual racing fan, maybe two and a half to three and a half hours. A diehard fan, maybe four and a half to five. So at seven thirty, you got to be done by eleven, eleven thirty midnight. And as long as they can keep doing that, they should be okay, right? I mean, theoretically. I would think so. I mean, you know, they, they have they, you know, right from the from the beginning, they've really done a nice job of getting that program put together. Um, you know, there's special races are always tough, but you know, for a weekly show, and and even adding the the Hoosier Sportsmen, I, I don't think that um, you know, I don't think that they'll have really a, a problem there at all. I think they'll be able to run that right through. Um, you know, the, the track has been really good. I mean, daytime races are are always hard, but you know, for your Friday night programs, 
you know, your track should be good so that you have a short intermission and get right back into it. So, um, and like I said, I'm looking forward to, to getting there. I mean, I, I was all set for Tuesday, but you know, um, we'll, we'll get there whenever, whenever mother nature allows things to happen yeah, right. and, and, and who knows, you know, it could be tomorrow because how often have we seen the, the weather change the day of? So, you know, you can't, you can't plan your week. I, I was just watching a video the other day, uh, of Kenny Wallace talking about track, you know, weather reports and, and, you know, hurting track attendance and stuff like that. You know, the weather changes so fast that, you know, you can't make your decision on a Monday even though I'm sure some look at it early in the week and, you know, maybe make other plans. But, um, you know, for us diehards, you know, we're going to be there. I remember watching clouds that were scraping the tops of the trees at Outlaw. And it was an early season race, but it wasn't an opener. And it was a guaranteed rainout. Slam dunk. Look at the radar rainout. But nothing ever fell. And we rolled cars for hot laps. And then we rolled the bandit feature. And then we rolled heats. And the whole thing, you could watch it on the radar. It was green, head to tail. And then all yeah. of a sudden, as you watched it, it just split right around the track. And it just followed the trail of that, of that valley. This was this was way back. And and after learning some of the weather patterns there, it is it is a absolute roll of the dice. You're at nature's mercy. If, they, if it wants to follow around the valley, you're going to be fine. But if it changes its mind, you're done. And that, yeah. that weather radar is not going to give you any indication what that weather pattern might do when it gets to the gets to the tops of the mountains. That's that whole Daryl Waltrip vortex theory, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't know the bandit cars were fast enough, but I'll buy it. Hey, man, I, I can speak from experience. They are just straight flying, man. <laughs> <laughs> you get that air whipping up, man, it can happen. <laughs> Dollar for dollar, I don't think anybody else has as much racing on a Friday. Oh, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and and you you think about it, that's a that's a great program. Um, the the facility is fantastic. The racing is always good. You know, whether it's a short night, long night, whatever. I mean, the racing is always good. That's right. never that's never been an and and that's you know even before the the name changed Outlaw Speedway. The racing's always been fantastic there. Uh, sure. Top to bottom. I mean, and like I said, you know, we, we talk about, you know, leaving early and missing that 305 race on Saturday. Uh, if you leave early and don't see the four cylinder race at Outlaw Speedway, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, that is, uh, that is Talladega four cylinders, man. <laughs> it is, it is wild. It, it is wild. It, I saw it at Five Mile Point a couple weeks ago. I, I posted about it on social media. The start of the four-cylinder race at Five Mile a couple weeks ago, they were five wide, and it thinned out to four wide. But they were like that for a lap and a half. And and somehow they all got away with it. I don't know how it happened, but, I mean, you're four, it's it's awesome. I heard them talking about it on, on the NASCAR radio channel today. They said, if if you want to see great racing, you got to go and watch your entry-level divisions at, at X, Y, and Z dirt track. You're going to see some of the best racing of the night in that entry-level class. All the cynics that tuned in uh, tonight heard you talk about the four-cylinders going four and five wide, and you said it was a lap and a half, and all of them rolled their eyes and said, well, how many of them finished? And you were right there to shut them down. You're like, hey, everybody everybody thinned out, and they were fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, what, from what I remember in that race, there might have been two or three guys that had mechanical. It wasn't from accidents and wrecks and everything. <laughs> uh, that that uh, 
it, it was it was really cool um you know and and i yeah i i'm probably a little biased because uh, you know when i was racing myself that was the brand of racing that you know our race team could afford to do but so i'm biased and i'll tell you that a four-cylinder race no matter where you are is the best race of the night but uh in, in all honesty it doesn't matter what track you go to man they just put on a show and and for those guys you know rather the payout's fantastic or or they're making enough to pay for their pit pass to, to come back through the gate next week you know those guys love putting on a show and you know, I think sometimes it's a shame if if they get pushed off to the back half of the night because man, they they can they can really put it on. I've uh I, I've thought back a lot as you were talking about some of the races at um at Outlaw watching the four cylinders and and there was one night that stands out and I don't even remember who won. Uh, I think uh I think Longacre was still ra- racing at that point in that orange and silver car with a green 89 on it. Yep. I think he was still racing at that point, but the, the bottom groove wasn't where to be. Everybody went up higher. So it was middle groove and top groove. And there must've been, there must've been, it, it felt like there was 35 four cylinder cars on the track at, the, at, at one time for this thing. And they took off into turn four. And, and when you made the reference to Talladega, this was the first thing that popped in my head. They were just strung out side by side. Everybody was clean and they ran like this for a couple laps and, and everybody's just holding their breath, just waiting. Like when, when this goes wrong, when this goes wrong, it's going to go wrong, but it never did. It never did it. it, it I mean, not going to at all say that, that they went green to checker that night, but it never went wrong to the point where there was, you know, 15, 20 cars watered up and only 10 cars were running at the end and half of them didn't have fenders. It was, it was still a clean race. Yeah. No, it's, that's it. And that is really, you know, for, for those cars, that is just a perfect track because you can really get your momentum wound up. And, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, watching the, the guy that won the championship last year, Adam Austin, or, or watching any of the veteran guys and not even veteran guys. I mean, look at Erica Bell. Um, you know, she's, she's done very well for herself there too. It doesn't matter. There, there are 10 guys plus, that can win on any given night in that race because they are so good. And if you get a good start or, you know, pass a bunch of cars early, catch a caution when you need it. Uh, it's, it's just a really, that four tenths mile is really a, a great layout and it's really a perfect track to see what those cars can do at their highest level. Sure. Um, you know, the, the short tracks, you know, I, I always love watching them at, at Woodhall too, but if you want to see, at the top end, what those four-cylinder cars can do, Outlaw is the perfect place to watch them. Well, you got the opportunity coming up tomorrow. Land of Legends is going to be racing Saturday, Utica Rome, on deck on Sunday with the 358s. Anything else that we got to hit on? No, man, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and uh, talk racing and have a little fun. Uh, I really appreciate the uh, the offer tonight. It's always good to, to catch up with you and uh, been fortunate to be able to do so a lot over the years, so I appreciate it. Well, we're going to do it again in a couple weeks if you're not busy. All right, man. Sounds good. I'll I'll hit you up. All right, man. (laughs) That's going to do it for this edition of the 31st Lab, episode 253. In the books, we appreciate Dave Marcicelli coming in. Wish him the best of luck this weekend. Hopefully everybody gets their racing in and weather cooperates. Wish the best of luck to Stephen Evans as he climbs up into the tower for another night behind the mic at Land of Legends Speedway. We appreciate all of you tuning in and listening to us. That's going to do it for us here at the North Park Building at Academy Square. We'll see you next time.